Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Oh, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, should the dark triad really be called the dark tetrad? So a triad is a group of three traits, and a tetrad is a group of four. So first I'll talk about the dark triad, and then talk about this idea of the dark tetrad. So with the dark triad, which is sometimes referred to as the dark traits, the dark core, or the dark personality, we're talking about three characteristics, narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. All three are conceptualized as being subclinical, so they're not mental disorders. There are extreme manifestations of, for example, narcissism and psychopathy that have an analog in terms of mental disorders, but that's not what the dark triad is. The dark triad is subclinical. The dark triad exists below the level of mental disorders. So with the dark triad, we see that these three characteristics kind of come together And they share certain features like low agreeableness on the five-factor model of personality. So being disagreeable, not trusting people, not valuing cooperation, but rather valuing competition. We see being callous or unemotional, like having a lack of empathy, being manipulative, grandiose, having a lack of honesty and a lack of humility. And then we have to look at each of the traits independently to see the characteristics they add to the dark triad. So with psychopathy, we see pathological lying, sensation-seeking, what they call poor behavioral control, which is really a lot like being impulsive, and we see aggression. With narcissism, we see someone who seeks a lot of admiration. They have a sense of entitlement. They tend to be jealous of other people. They engage a lot of fantasy, especially fantasies of being really powerful, and they tend to be arrogant. With Machiavellianism, we see somebody that's cynical, 
They tend to be strategic in the way they manipulate, so they're not sloppy. They're actually quite careful and calculating. They have good impulse control. They're able to delay gratification, and they're not attention-seeking. In terms of personality, we see low extroversion and low openness to experience in addition to that low agreeableness. So one of the phrases that kind of typifies Machiavellianism would be, the ends justify the means. So the dark tetrad, again, four traits, is really the same as the dark triad, the three traits, except there's one additional trait. And this is subclinical sadism, sometimes referred to as everyday sadism. This is the tendency to engage in demeaning, antagonistic, and cruel behaviors with the purpose of experiencing pleasure. So taking pleasure in causing or witnessing harmful acts. So as the name would suggest, of course, this type of sadism is also subclinical. It's not thought to rise to the level of a mental disorder. And we see that this particular trait is evident in the normal population, just like the other traits we see in the dark tetrad. So this trait exists on a continuum. And if we break the trait down even further, we see there's three types of this trait, verbal, physical, and vicarious. So with verbal sadism, we see pleasure is gained through embarrassing or humiliating others. With physical, it's simply physically hurting others that brings the pleasure. And with the vicarious, this is when pleasure is gained through fantasizing about violence or observing violence. So individuals with this trait actively seek opportunities to cause harm. So the theory here with the dark tetrad, the additional trait here, is that this deviates from the dark triad. That is, it adds something not typically seen. Specifically, the motivation for cruelty and aggression is different. So again, with sadism, it's about enjoyment. If we look at psychopathy, the motivation for aggression is about boredom. It could be instrumental, meaning to complete some purpose, like to gain something, and when physically provoked. And I think the key here is that between psychopathy and everyday sadism, is that somebody with psychopathy won't go to great lengths to be aggressive. Somebody with sadism will. They're willing to go through more of an ordeal, to struggle, to fight for this enjoyment. They're willing to sacrifice for this enjoyment. Generally, somebody with psychopathy is not willing to do that. So again, this is at the subclinical level. And at this level, somebody who's psychopathic typically won't hurt somebody unless it's easy or convenient to do so. Now with narcissism, the aggression is typically thought of as in response to an ego threat. So they have a fragile sense of self, kind of low self-esteem, and they work to protect that. They'll react in a manner to protect that. And in terms of the motivation for aggression with Machiavellianism, here, somebody with Machiavellianism really would not be aggressive normally, unless there was a substantial benefit to it. So they would need a great reward. Now, Machiavellianism doesn't have a clinical analog to it. So that's just what the trait is. It's Machiavellianism. It's always subclinical. If we push these to the clinical level, we still see that the order stays the same in terms of the way motivation is positioned with all three of the remaining traits, so sadism, narcissism, and psychopathy. And the magnitude would increase as you move to the level of mental disorder, and the likelihood of aggression would increase. But again, that order stays kind of locked in place. The motivation still follows that hierarchy. Now, interestingly, we see a correlation between sadism and psychopathy, right? This is the strongest relationship. If we look at sadism and narcissism and Machiavellianism, 
the relationship is weaker, although still positive. As one increases, the others tend to increase. So if we look at clinical sadism and we look at the dark triad, again, psychopathy is where we see the strongest correlation. There is a relatively strong, but perhaps moderate relationship with Machiavellianism. And with narcissism, the correlation is weak to moderate. So that's kind of how that order works with the correlations inside the dark tetrad. So of course, with the high correlation between sadism and psychopathy, it's not surprising that they share a lot of characteristics. Both are characterized by unprovoked aggression. Both have a connection to schadenfreude. But schadenfreude, of course, is a little different because it's taking pleasure from another suffering or misfortune indirectly. There's no active component to schadenfreude. Somebody with schadenfreude isn't going to create the suffering in order to get the pleasure. Somebody who's subclinically sadistic would actively engage in activity to cause suffering with the expressed intent of experiencing enjoyment. So with all this in mind, is the dark tetrad a real thing? Does it hold together as well as the dark triad holds together? Well, we see in the research findings that subclinical sadism does appear to be a part of the dark triad, which of course means now we have a dark tetrad. We have four parts. It is a separate but related construct. Of course, as I mentioned, it's positively correlated with all three traits of the dark triad, with again the strongest correlation being with psychopathy. But it's not a high enough correlation so that it would be considered to be the same factor. The strength of the correlations between sadism and the dark triad are really similar to that of the correlations we see inside of the dark triad, which actually points pretty strongly to the legitimacy of the dark tetrad. So these correlations all tend to be pretty close to one another. So these four traits do appear to belong together, conceptually distinct enough so they're not describing the same thing, but related enough so that they should be grouped together. And what this means is we tend to see all four of these traits in the same people. These characteristics tend to cluster together. So if somebody has the dark triad, it's pretty likely they actually have the dark tetrad. So what this means is when we see narcissism and psychopathy and Machiavellianism, subclinical sadism usually would not be very far behind, and it may really be right there, right? We would expect it to be at the same level as these other traits. So again, they tend to group together. So what does all this mean from a clinical point of view? Well, unfortunately, it's just more bad news for individuals who have dark traits and for people around them. It's another reason that seeking counseling would be a good idea. So again, whether one has the dark tetrad or one is being exposed to an individual who has the dark tetrad, counseling makes sense because we see a lot of negative outcomes associated with the dark tetrad, like hostility, aggression, substance use. This characteristic is particularly salient with the dark tetrad. We also see criminal behavior and a tendency to want to get revenge in romantic situations. Just because the traits of the dark tetrad are considered subclinical, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be the focus of treatment. It just means they are at a level where they would not qualify somebody to receive a diagnosis. There are, of course, clinical expressions of these traits. I talked about that before. More extreme manifestations, like what we see with narcissistic personality disorder or antisocial personality disorder. But again, the dark tetrad itself is thought of as subclinical. But whether we're talking about clinical or subclinical, seeking counseling for these types of traits is a smart move. Counseling could help somebody to avoid a situation where they're aggressive, where they get in trouble with the law, 
where they damage or destroy a relationship. So if we look at these traits, of course, somebody would think, well, if somebody had these traits, would they be likely to want to seek counseling? Well, this is one of the difficulties with the dark tetrad. These traits in and of themselves tend to prevent people from wanting to seek counseling or seeing the benefit of counseling. So motivation to seek counseling tends to be low with the dark tetrad. But again, we see all kinds of different levels of these traits and all different situations that people can be in. And in many people's lives, there's going to be times where the alignment of these characteristics and circumstances may motivate them to seek counseling. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.